everybody. Welcome to our new episode of Tea and the Law of Raspberry Jam with me, Esther Derby, and Victor Sesson. Today we're going to be discussing a question that both Victor and I get asked a lot. And that question is, how do you coach a team that doesn't want coaching? So here we go. So Victor, how does this question come up for you? For me, there's a story, and I remember it really clearly about four years ago, or maybe five years ago, when I was employed at Spotify, one of the senior managers came to me and said, you know, I want you to coach this team. And that didn't really resonate with me. Well, you know, what do you want me to coach them about? Well, you know, they're not performing well, they're struggling, they have poor relationships with their stakeholders and, you know, they're the teams they're supposed to collaborate with. Okay, but, you know, when I talk to them, they don't seem to be aware of it and they don't want coaching. Yeah, but that's your job. Your job is to ensure that they want coaching. Mm. But I'm a coach. I'm not here to convince anyone about this. Well, obviously, you don't know what coaching is then. Like, that's a very weird way of looking at coaching, Victor. And he was so assertive about that the role of a coach is to show people where they are wrong and then correct it. And that really didn't resonate with me. Mm. So from that moment on, I've been really looking out for, is there a will or a pull from the team to get coaching? What about you? Like, what are you passionate about this? Well, one, I get asked this question a lot when I'm teaching coaching beyond the team with Don or when I'm teaching one of my coaching team classes is that people will ask me, you know, what do you do when a team doesn't want coaching? So it comes up a lot. But I also have an experience of it. You know, when I was a dev manager, I was sort of on the receiving end in that the head of architecture sent around, he decided that, you know, he was going to own the design process down to the code level, which, well, we won't get into that right now. But so he sent people out to all the dev managers to say, we're here to help. And I, you know, in that conversation said, I don't feel like we need any help with the architecture right at the moment. And the person who was sent to help said, but we're here to help. And I said, okay, what sort of help could you offer me? And the response was, anything you want. To which I said, but I don't want anything. <laughs> and it was this weird circular thing about somebody being sent out to help without having a clear idea of what might be perceived as useful, what might be needed, or how to even enter the conversation. And I've been that coach. Mm. Well, I suspect all of us have been at one time or another, or many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us have done that because like you, you were given a directive to go help the team, right? Yeah. And there was a form of punishment. Sure. In terms of reputation, because I wasn't willing to coach a team that someone told me to coach. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I changed organization and I had a new manager, she wanted me to coach a team. And in that situation, you know, I asked again, so what are the challenges? We had a conversation about that. And, well, is the team aware of this? And no, no, they don't know. Well, maybe we, that's where we start, you know, you giving them feedback. And yep. Yeah, 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 okay. And we spent about a half day talking to the team about some of the challenges. Well, I didn't talk at all. I was just there sitting and listening. But then after about a half a day, there was an understanding and acceptance that, okay, we do have some performance issues that we need to work with. And then they started asking questions and pulling in help, out of which some of these things I was able to support them in, and others I couldn't support them at all in, but they could pull in help from other parts of the organization. Mm -hmm. 
So when I talk about, you know, the people who ask this question and say, how do you coach a team that doesn't want coaching? And I say, well, you know, you work with the people who do. I often get the response, but I don't get to choose the teams. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are in that situation where they're told, you know, you're going to go work with this team. And what you did was you found a way to enter their system by understanding what was going on for them. Yeah. And I still get asked this a lot, whether it's a scrum master, like, oh, the team isn't listening to me. Okay. So are you listening to like, what are they saying that you're not hearing or something like that? Mm -hmm. People are so busy trying to help that they're not really able to think clearly. Yeah. A lot of people are stressed. A lot of managers are stressed. They have these requirements and demands on performance. And we need to help people slow down and say no. Mm -hmm. I don't understand this thing where people give away their autonomy and empowerment. Mm -hmm. As coaches, if, yeah, you're supposed to be in this team, you can say no. Yeah. That's hard for people in corporations. Yeah. So let's unpack some of the assumptions in the question, how do you coach a team that doesn't want coaching? What are the assumptions in that? Because I think that's in some ways the first part is you have to understand what are the assumptions in that question. Yeah. One of the most obvious one is that it's possible to coach a team that doesn't want coaching. Yeah, that's a big one. I think that drives the whole thing, that you can go in and force coaching on people. You can give people information that may lead them to want coaching, but I don't think you can effectively help a team. You can harangue a team, but you can't really help them. Yeah. And the second assumption might be that the team needs coaching. I mean, there are a bunch. There's also that coaching is the only thing that will be helpful. And you talk about system and the environment. So another assumption is that this is a team problem and not something in the surrounding environment or that comes from management. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's that the team, you know, the assumption is that the team doesn't want coaching because they don't want it from a particular person, right? They might be very open to support or help from someone that they trusted or they knew who understood them. Yeah. There's also like this underlying notion that it's desirable that teams want coaching. Coaching is desirable. So there's something wrong because here's this team that doesn't want coaching. Yeah, and that often gets conflated with, well, they don't want to get better. Yeah. And if they don't want to get better, they're not agile. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot in that assumption. And I think it's worth being aware of those assumptions when you go into it. Or there's assumptions in that question. It's worth being aware of it because that points you towards some of the things that you can do to actually create that entry into the team, which is what you described in that second scenario when the manager admitted that the team didn't know that they had some issues. They ended up wanting coaching, even though they might not have at the beginning because of the way you entered that situation. Yeah. So let's go into that. So what do you do? Like, let's say that you're a coach and you've been asked to coach a team and you don't think they want coaching. That's the perception you're What can you do? Well, I might start by trying to understand what's going on from the team's perspective. Okay. Right? How do they see things? What are they struggling with? Mm -hmm. How do they view what they're doing? Because very often teams get sort of heads down and divorced from the bigger picture of how their work fits in. So they may not even realize that um, something is going on from another perspective. And tied to that, you can also try to understand what's going on for the team from an outside perspective. And closely related to that, you can look at what are the feedback loops that exist. 
when does this team get feedback about their performance or when do they talk to each other within the team or between teams? I think that's often an issue when someone outside the team decides that they need coaching. That team needs coaching. What they need is some feedback loops, right? And I'm not talking about somebody going in and telling them they're doing a bad job. I'm talking about, do they know the effect that their work is having on other people in the organization? Do they understand how their work is affecting their customers? Do they understand that the number of bugs that they are shipping is costing, you know, X amount of money? So that's what I'm talking about with feedback loops, not somebody coming in and saying you're doing a bad job, but having the actual data about how their work relates to the customers and to the financial results and to the overall organization. And if that doesn't exist, I mean, you can help add that, which is going to make a huge difference, and you're not even coaching the team. Right. You're making some information visible to them that will allow them to self-correct. I mean, some other things you can do is get to know the team. Yeah, it seems sort of obvious, but I think it's super helpful. Understand what they are up against, what their challenges are, what they're good at, what they care about. And I think that's what you were doing when you sat and observed that team talking with their manager, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking about a recent example where a manager, actually, it wasn't even the team's manager, just a manager in an organization came and asked me, could you facilitate some conversations in this team? They are struggling and they're about to take on a huge challenge and they need to start talking about this, but they're not talking. And my first warning clock went off because this is not even the manager of the team. Mm -hmm. So how come she's coming to me? And so I started asking her, like, okay, so what's your, you know, what's your role in this? And she said, well, they invited me to have a conversation with them about this because I know some of them and I know their manager and we talked about their struggles. Oh, okay. Well, that seems reasonable. So what is it that they want help with? Well, they want help with X, Y, Z. Oh, okay. If I ask them, is that what they're going to say? Yes. Okay, if I booked a meeting with them, how would they react? And she said, they would totally know what it was about. And so I also thought that, okay, so great, you are basically facilitating me entering the team. So she was helping me enter the team, and then she wasn't a part of it. But then once I had entered the team, we spent a little bit of time on this, getting to know each other, getting to know their struggles. So we looked at what does their collaboration look like today? What's working well? Where are they getting stuck? So we spend a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. So I think that point bears repetition that I don't think it's reasonable to expect a group of people who have been together and learning and working together for a while just to suddenly take advice from a stranger who they don't know anything about and who doesn't know their situation. That's just not reasonable. So what you were talking about is having them get to know you and you know them and develop a relationship and trust. Yeah, and what they told me afterwards, because we met once or twice per week over three weeks, one person came up to me afterwards and gave me some feedback and said, you know, I knew that you were coming in, and even though I knew it rationally, I wasn't sure if you were going to be able to help us. I didn't really know who you were, so I'm really happy you did, but it was really challenging for me the first few sessions with you because even though we needed help with this, I didn't know if you were the right person for us. And I think that's always true when someone is coming in, you know, in air quotes to help. Yeah. The people on the other side don't know if you are capable of helping them, right? And they are being asked to, to some extent, to lose face by saying, you know, we need help. We are lacking some capability or some insight or something. So they're being asked to lose face and have utter faith in someone they don't know, right? 
Yeah. And even when you have done that much work that these managers had done, people still are on the fence or on edge. Sure. Well, I think both can be true. Okay. A lesson in English for us <laughs> non-native speakers. But so I think we should try to connect this then. Mm -hmm. If you're embedded into an organization, because a lot of companies use these agile team coaches or team coaches or agile coaches, and you're basically dedicated a team in advance. You might even be hired to work in a specific team. Yeah. And does the team have any say in that hiring? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. I mean, many companies, they do let the team in interview. Yeah. But it's still an odd thing. I mean, this is obviously my opinion, but it's an odd thing. We design our organizations in a way that teams don't function without a coach. To me, there's something odd about that. Well, and that in some ways points to our organizations designed in such a way that teams have feedback to self-correct. So I'm thinking like, what do you do? <laughs> Let's turn back time. 10 years, Victor, 27, entering a team. I mean, I didn't think about this because I was more like, yeah, I'm here to help. And obviously I can help everyone, but not everyone is that way. And I'm not that way anymore. Yeah. And so for the people who do think about these things, like what can, what can we tell them? Well, I think the other trap that's related to that is, for me as an external consultant, we're supposed to have answers. Well, not really. We're supposed to help facilitate people finding answers. So there's that, I think, that pull for people also to help and also to have answers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to do the things that we've been talking about. Enter the system, get to know people, get to know what's going on for them. Yeah. There's also a middle way. You, you might not want to be like, no, I don't want to do this. But you could also say things like, okay, what would make me more comfortable in order to enter this team is if, you know, we could meet together and talk about this. Mm -hmm. So try to find the things that make you comfortable. Because if you're uncomfortable entering a team, that is not good either. No, it will come through. So I think it's useful to have a negotiation with the team. Let's spend some time talking about what you might want and what I might be willing to offer after they have at least have the feedback or the feedback loops that let them say we need to do some kind of course correction. Then you can negotiate. Here's what I can do. Here are some things that might be helpful that have been helpful. I have some information that might be useful. I've worked in these sorts of situations, which is on one level, letting them know something about your expertise. It's letting them know something about what they might be able to expect from you, but it's also giving them a choice about, okay, we know these things about you. These are the things we want help with, which again, equalizes, right? Yeah. I think one interesting question that I ask a lot is, what's your perception about why I'm here? Sure. And often within a team, there may be some people who have an idea and then some people who don't, or they have completely different needs and wants. And just getting that up on the table and talking about that is a great thing to do. And in many ways, that could be super helpful to the team for them to understand how each of them views what is needed on the team. So that in and of itself is one of those little nudges that can change things for a team. But it probably wouldn't be labeled as coaching. No. I worked with one coach who used to, before she entered a team, she would interview everyone in the team and she would ask three to four questions. She would have a social conversation and introduce herself, listen to the other person, like get socially introduced. And then she would ask a few questions, take down her notes on the answers and get permission to share it with the team. And then she compiled everyone's answers to the same questions, lined them up next to each other and showed how big the perception gap was. Mm-hmm. 
which generated lots of conversations in the teams she entered. And it was once again a little intervention that wouldn't be labeled as coaching, but still probably had a very useful effect for the team. Yes. Okay, so let's look at takeaways. Sure. Well, I think the first one is to check the assumptions, right? Start by checking assumptions and interpretations and then don't overgeneralize. So the fact that a team appears to not want coaching doesn't necessarily mean they don't want to improve. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't want support. It may mean a bunch of different things, but you need to examine that assumption in order to even hope to enter the team. And if you'd like to know more specifically about how do you become aware of your assumptions, we did an episode on that a few episodes back. So there's one specifically focused on assumptions. Mm -hmm. Another takeaway is, I think, to validate acceptance that someone external is now going to be entering the team to coach. So validate whether or not the team has asked for help. Validate whether or not the team understands that the outside perception is that they need help. And that gets back to feedback loops. Do they actually have that insight about how they're perceived in the organization? And then have some kind of agreement or invitation before you start coaching. Now, potentially, there are other ways you can support a team that you know, may not involve that level of psychological contract. Some things you might do is you could offload some work for the team, you know, just take on some work. And that would give them the space to do some other things more effectively. Yeah, some other things is you could help the manager solve problems in the environment that is generating the dysfunction. If you, for example, have team composition changing every month, maybe you could stabilize that rather than coaching the team. If there are unclear goals, you could work with that. If you have a team with three product owners, well, maybe try to find one. Sometimes, or often at least, organizational design creates team dysfunctions that you cannot coach away. Yeah. Johanna Rothman has a story about a guy who was being their human version control system, but he was changing everybody's code at night when he integrated. And, and so they got a version control system, and that solved a lot of their problems, right? because he was no longer in control of it. So there's a lot of things you can do that don't involve coaching that will dramatically shift the way a team is working. So he joined them as a team member, you could say. This was somebody who was already on the team. Okay. But that's another way to provide support is to join as a team member and then support from within, right? Yeah. To become part of them and then influence from within the team. Mm -hmm. So just because a team looks like they don't want coaching doesn't mean that's the case. I think I want to just re... like If you only take that one takeaway from this episode, it's don't coach anyone that doesn't want coaching. You cannot coach people who do not want coaching. I think it's unethical. Well, and it doesn't work. Yeah. But there are other things you can do. So just because the team isn't open to coaching doesn't mean there aren't things you can do that will improve the way they're working, improve the results, and perhaps build enough trust so that they will invite you in to coach. All right. So that does it for today. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And until next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.